Hey everyone, this is Joseph Bosco, pastor of Highway Church. Thanks for joining us on our podcast. You know, all of us need the right kind of voices in our lives. Voices that inspire us to know the one who made us. Voices that awaken our divine destiny and reveal to us the goodness of God. Well, that's what this ministry is all about. So enjoy the message. This is our series, Moving Forward, is part three. And we're moving forward in all that God has ordained for us. All that He's prepared for us. We're living the life that we were made to live. We're living the life we were made for. You are God's masterpiece. You are God's workmanship. You are His handiwork. You are His poetry. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Let's read that again in the Passion Translation. This is who you are. This is who we are. We have become His poetry. A recreated people that will fulfill the destiny He has given each of us. For we are joined to Jesus. Let's say that again together. We are a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny He has given each of us, for we are joined to Jesus. Let's say it out loud together. We are a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny He has given us, for we are joined to Jesus. One more time. We are a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny He has given each of us, for we are joined to Jesus. Sometimes the only thing missing, the only thing keeping you from fulfilling that destiny is your mouth. Declare it. Say it. Open your mouth and say what He says about you. I am a recreated person and I will fulfill the destiny He has given me. I'm joined to Jesus. You've got to open your mouth and say what He says. It really is the only way forward. It's the only way forward. This is the, the rudder. And it's the propeller. <laughs> it, what you say determines the direction and determines your, your progress. Hallelujah. So we're talking about moving forward in your divine identity and your divine time. And this is what we're going to look at today. Your divine identity and your divine time are embedded in God's Word. They're embedded you have to dig for them. You have to soak in the Word. There are things in the Bible that are right on the surface that are, are just boom. There they are. But there are things that are under the surface that you have to dig and study and meditate on. But you've got to make up your mind that you're going to go for the gold. You're going to get everything that's on the surface and everything that's under the surface. And you're going to know everything that God has prepared for you. You're going to know the, the, the fullness of His plan for your life. You've got to, to, to be a um, treasure hunter when you read the Bible. You've got to hunt for treasure. 
You've got to be in this mindset of trusting the Holy Spirit to open your eyes when you read the Bible, to give you revelation of who Christ is and who you are in Him and all that He's done for you. There are treasures waiting for you in the pages of this book. Now, let's go to Psalm 139. We're going to start in verse 15. Your divine identity and your divine time are embedded in God's Word. You, if you've worked with computers much, you know there are menus that are embedded. You can't see them, right? If you right-click on something, all of a sudden a menu pops up. I remember, wow, the first, when I got my first laptop back in, I don't know, maybe 2000 or 2001, I, hadn't, I didn't even want one. I just wanted to keep my own systems going, you know? And then someone started showing me how to use it. I had no idea. They showed, I didn't even know what a right-click was. You know, and I, how to open up all these embedded menus, which enable me to do things I couldn't do if I didn't know the menus were there, right? So your divine identity, your divine time, the fullness of your purpose is embedded in this book. And it's faith in Christ that right-clicks this book and opens our eyes to see things that we couldn't see to access features we couldn't access. Hallelujah. Psalm 139, verse 15. This is the message translation. You know me inside and out. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made, bit by bit, how I was sculpted from nothing into something. Verse 16 in the NIV. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. I want to call your attention to that word ordained. And it it is a powerful word. It can be translated written. It can be translated or or, um, give the meaning of spread out like an architect spreads out his drawings on his table. All the days ordained for me. Seeing God as the architect for this abundant life that Christ came to give you. So that that his plan for you is like, like an architect's drawing spread out on his table. This word ordained can also mean recorded. In the word of God, now you're going to have to come with me on this, your divine identity has been forever recorded. God's plan for your life has been forever recorded. Now, you wouldn't, the, the specific details, like I told you about, you know, I've lived in different states. I've lived uh, in, in different, on another continent, and those specific details weren't in there. But it was meditating in the Word of God that enabled me to hear from God and walk out the specific details of my life. God has given us a forever record of what He said, ordained. It is as if the master architect has laid out his plans on his drawing table, and they are a forever record of your divine identity and, your, and the divine plan and time that God has for you. Now, I'm going back some. Now it's all done with CAD, and, but there was a time back in the day, uh, whew, I don't know, 
30 years ago, if an architect came in, he came in with a big roll of drawings, right? And some still do it. Yeah, but then he'd have to un, you know, unlock, the, pull the canister open, get a big space and lay it out either on the ground or a table. And what was the purpose of those drawings? Because we're building something. And before anything's ever built, we need to make sure that we're putting things in the right place and that we're putting them in the right time, in the right way. And the architect is the one who knows how to do that. Right, and he works uh, with the engineers and the and the contractors to make sure that everything is is designed as it should be, really before any actual labor is done. There was a labor to prepare you before you came into this earth. The plans that God wrote up for you, the work that was done for you to come into this earth, is amazing. So God has given us, this is the architect's plans, he's given us so that, and you know, it's funny, on different projects, if something wasn't uh, coming together properly, you know what they would do is they'd go back to the plans. Let's look at the architect's plans again. And sure enough, they usually find there's something somewhere in the plans that wasn't followed or carried out. And they'd resolve that and then things would start progressing again. We have to do that in our lives. We have to consult the written Word of God to get instruction from the Holy Spirit for our daily living. And sometimes it may appear that things aren't working out, but you may be fine. You might just need to keep on going, to keep on doing what the Lord's called you to do, or it may be God wants you to make a little adjustment or a little shift. There's no way to know that apart from the Word of God and the Spirit of God. You've got to be in that relationship with Him. So when we meditate in the Word of God, all of the, the architect's plans that are embedded in every scripture, in every verse, begin to unfold and we begin to see things that are below the surface. You'll begin to look at your life very differently when you meditate in the Word of God. God has given us his plans. He's a master architect. He's never made a mistake. He's never drawn up a wrong plan. He has no plan B. He doesn't need them. His plans are perfect. He has no rough drafts. The first time his pen hits that paper, it's perfect. He's never had a rough draft. He's never had any he, he, instant masterpiece when his pen hits it. He doesn't have to like sketch some light lines so he can then bring in the solid ones after, you know. No, as soon as his pen hits the paper, it's perfect. And he's given us this forever record. He's given us his plans so that we can meditate in it. Spend time mulling it over in our minds and our hearts so that our divine identity and our divine time will become clear to us. I cannot emphasize enough uh, the importance of being in the written Word of God. Meditate, get Psalm 23 and just meditate on that. The Lord is my personal shepherd. And just see that. 
See God protecting you. See God feeding and caring for you. See God leading and guiding you to green pastures. See God doing these things in your life. And as you take time and meditate in in the Word of God, you begin to see who you really are, your divine identity, who you are in Christ. And you'll begin to realize that this is your divine time. Hallelujah. God's Word is alive, it's quick. And it's powerful, and it will actively work in you if you put it in there. What brings the Word of God to life in us? Believing it. Believing what? That it's true for me today. That it's true for me today. Himself took my infirmities and bare my sicknesses. Believe that that's true for you today. He took your pains. Believe that it's true for you today. But I, but I have a lot of pains. He took them all. Believe he took every last one of them. And then meditate in Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. Meditate in it. Soak in it like you're soaking in a hot tub. You don't just get in a hot tub and get out. You don't get in a, in a whirlpool and get out. Man, you soak in there for a while. Why? So, so the warmth of the water can, can soothe your muscles and, and, the, and the bubbles and the, and the movement of the water can work on you and get you to relax. You've got to do that with the Word. God's Word is the hot tub. It's the sauna. It's the whirlpool. It's, it's the treatment you need to, to see your divine identity, to walk in your divine time, and to do all that God's called you to do. Hallelujah. Don't accept the way you feel. Don't accept symptoms. Don't accept circumstances. Meditate in what God has said, and then you say what He says to your body, to your circumstances. You tell your body how healthy it is. You tell it how healthy it is. Hips, you're strong. Hips, you are strong. Knees, you're strong. You, you bend perfectly. You're flexible. Lungs, you're strong. You're strong. You inhale and exhale. Heart, you're strong. You beat peacefully. Hallelujah. Blood, you flow freely through my veins and arteries. Bone marrow, you're vibrant and strong. All the cells that I need to be produced are being produced in my body. Hallelujah. This comes about as you meditate in the Word of God. See, you you read Isaiah 53, 4 and 5 uh, that says the chastisement for our shalom, for our well-being was upon Him. And by His stripes... We have been healed. We are healed. You meditate in that, and it starts to open up to you. Not the first time you read it, but as you sit there and chew on it, Jesus took the punishment so that I could be well today for my well-being. It's a finished work. He did it. Therefore, by his stripes, I'm healed today. Body, did you hear that? Jesus took your pains. 
Read it in different translations. Very powerful. Read it in different translations. I like the message translation. It says it was my pains he carried. Hallelujah. Uh, or our, our pains he carried. Our disfigurements. All the things wrong with us. Man, is that powerful. Jesus took all the things wrong with us. That's total healing. That's total healing. That's total healing. Take time and meditate in that. It was our pains he carried. You took them all. It was our disfigurements. Anything that wasn't shaped or formed properly in our bodies, he took care of that. And now we're healed. All the things wrong with us. All the things wrong with us. So we, our, our foundation and our frame of reference for our health is not what's gone on in our family, in our parents or grandparents or aunts or uncles. Our foundation and frame of reference for our health is what Christ did for me on that cross. And that's what I meditate in. That's what I meditate in. That's what I spend time meditating on. And I see it in me. I see it permeating my body, just rising from my spirit, going into my mind and my soul, and going to every part of my body, the resurrection life of Christ. You've got to meditate in the Word. I don't know if there's anything more important than that. You understand when I say meditate, it simply means to, to think on it, to imagine it, to see it happening in your life. And to say it softly to yourself over and over. He took all my pains. I'm healed. He took all my pains. I'm healed. Right in the face of maybe what feels like some very severe pain. No. No. He took all my pains. No. No. He took all my pains. That's what we have to do with our little puppy. We say, no. Get down. Get down. You got to do that with your body. You do. Don't let your body get up on the counter and grab that pumpkin pie. Don't let it. Know your... <sighs> There's a pumpkin pie on my counter at home. That's why I said it. Seriously, you have to train your body. Kind of like you train a dog. Although your body will listen better than a dog will. <laughs> it's your will. Your body will listen. But you do have to speak to it. You've got to train it. Peace, heart, you're at peace. Peace. Emotions, you're full of joy. Soul, you're full of joy. I've got joy like a river. I've got peace like a river. I've got joy and peace and like, a, like a mighty river in me. In God's presence is fullness of joy. In God's presence is in me. That means I've got fullness of joy. And then you start acting on it. So you might feel like uh, just lousy and, and discouraged and, and a failure, and you just start, God, you're so good. Thank you, Lord, for your presence in my life. Thank you, Father, for being my strength and my victory. Lord, I rejoice in you. I am who you say I am. I can do what you said I can do. I have all the things you said I have. Lord, you sent your word and you've healed me. I'm your healed one. I'm your son in the earth. I'm your child. I'm redeemed by the blood, and I'm strong strong in you and in your mighty power. And Father, I thank you for brand new life. And I worship you and give you glory. 
That's meditating in the Word. That's meditating in the Word. Hallelujah. It moves you to action, to act upon it, to act upon it. Hallelujah. To get up and to put your feet down and to move forward. Jesus. Hallelujah. So when we meditate on the Word of God, again, the the scope of God's Word is just limitless. It covers everything in your life. Everything. And there are so many well-meaning believers who love God and are struggling because they don't know His Word. They don't know what He's done for them. They haven't learned from the Scriptures how to see who they are in Christ. Let's look at Hebrews 4.12. Hebrews 4.12. His word is alive and it will will live in you when you believe that it's true for you today. True for you today. Believe that it's for you today. It's for you today. Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God. Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is quick and Powerful. Just meditate on that right there. God's word is quick and powerful. His word is quick and powerful. Hallelujah. This is gourmet food right here. You don't scarf down gourmet food. You savor it. You just, even when it's set before you, you don't even touch it yet you just inhale enjoy the aroma of what's been prepared by the master chef right well the word of God is like this don't just scarf it down man breathe the aroma of resurrection life that's emanating from it hallelujah his blood enabled us to have this written book hallelujah it's a treasure to us for the word of God is quick and powerful. It's quick and it's powerful. Hallelujah. And sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to dividing asunder of soul and spirit. We're going to come back to that. Let's keep reading. And of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Okay, look at all that the Word of God does inside of us when we meditate on it. Wow, it penetrates, it's quick, it's powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, peace piercing even to dividing asunder of soul and spirit. What is that all about? This is something that no one ever told me uh, until I began reading the Scriptures that there are three parts to us. And boy, this is so important. If you don't know the difference between your soul and your spirit, you're going to be confused and you're going to be an easy target for the enemy. You've got to know the difference between your soul and your spirit. And some will say, well, isn't it the same thing? No, it's not. There are three parts to you. You are a spirit, right? Spirit, soul, and body. Your spirit is the being that you're. You're a spirit being. 
You're made in the image of God who is spirit, right? You're, and you have been given equipment. There's equipment attached to your spirit. That would be your soul. That's your emotions, your feelings, right? Your will, your, per, your, your intellect. That's attached to your spirit, but that's not who you are. It's equipment that you've been given, all right? It's equipment you've been given, and your soul and your spirit are living in a physical body. Now, why is it, why is it so important for uh, the dividing asunder of soul and spirit? Because sometimes what's going on in your soul is contrary to who you really are. And it can feel strong, overwhelmingly strong sometimes. If you're not used to uh, reigning over your soul. If you're not used to keeping your soul under the authority of your recreated spirit. So your soul, that emotional realm. Right? The, 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 it's, it's the realm that's kind of the bridge between the physical and the, and the spiritual, the soul. But all kinds of things can affect your soul, the way your soul feels. It could be, um, I don't know, something that you ate, like Scrooge in the Christmas Carol, right? He sees the ghost and he says, you might just be a, a bit of potato or something, Right? All kinds of things can affect the way your body feels and your soul feels, but your spirit doesn't change. Your spirit knows who you are. Your spirit is not moved by circumstances. Your spirit is not moved by the climate around you because your spirit was recreated in the image of God. Your spirit is the anchor and foundation that we operate from. So when you're reading through the Word of God, it will separate for you what's coming from your soul and what's coming from your spirit. If it's coming from my soul, that's not the direction I'm going to go. Because I want to live, I want to walk in the spirit, not in my soul. Now the world exalts the soul. They don't, know how, they, they don't understand what I just shared with you. They're all about how you feel. You've got to be sensitive to how you feel. And what it does, it creates weak people that get upset very easily because they coddle the soul. The soul doesn't need you to coddle it. The soul needs to be under the authority of your recreated spirit. And that's all that man knows how to do is just pet your soul and, and make sure no one says anything to upset you and don't get offended because that will, that will do damage to my, to my soul. No, that's not, we're not these fragile souls. No, we're not. We're recreated beings in the image of Christ Jesus. Our soul is just equipment we've been given. Man doesn't understand what I'm sharing with you. Man gets all confused in this realm. Okay, your soul is just equipment. Now, it could be things that were said to you growing up that affect your soul. They've, they've, and, and the things that were said to you 40 years ago are still rolling around in your soul. The Word of God will reveal those things and help you remove them. It will illuminate these things that are in your soul that shouldn't be there. And like a, a, a sharp two-edged sword, remove them. And, you, and those things that were said to you 10 years ago, 15, 20, 30 years ago, will no longer be there. They'll be removed from your soul and you'll be free to go forward. The Word of God is the only thing that can do this. 
It's the only thing that gets to the, to the very, very ins and outs of you and the very the, the, the different parts of you. The scope of the Word of God affects every part of your, your being, spirit, soul, and body. Hallelujah. So the Word of God illuminates where the issue is. Your spirit, so, and this is what can be difficult. Let's see, maybe we should... Yeah, let's, we'll get to this in a second. God's Word is endless in its scope. It's quick. It's powerful. It applies to every situation, every circumstance. Religious tradition isn't like that. It's an isolated thing off to the side that you pull out every now and then and on holidays. Not the Word of God. The Word of God covers every situation and circumstance and was given to us for every situation and circumstance for our lives. We must know what God has said about it. We must know what the Lord has said about it. We must because that's how we operate. We operate from what the Lord has already said. All right? This is the foundation. Jesus said, if you, if you practice my words, it's like building your life, your house, on this massive bedrock. Petra, this massive foundation. If you don't build your life on my words, if you don't practice them, it's like building a house on sand. It doesn't matter how good your plans are. If you build it on sand, it's not going to last, Right? So meditating in the Word of God, acting on it, practicing, it makes us strong. It gives your spirit the upper hand. And your spirit begins to control your soul and your body instead of your body and soul stifling your spirit. When your spirit is controlling you, you will find the joy that you're looking for. Because that joy is in your spirit. The joy of the Lord is your strength, and it's in your spirit. might not be in your soul right now, but it's in your spirit. So when I realize that and I believe it, I start to declare it. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And then I start rejoicing in the Lord. What's in my spirit will rise from my spirit and in, start invading my soul and my body. Hallelujah. So the spirit realm the, the realm of the Spirit is where the power is. It's where the life is that you need. Jesus said this. Let's go to John chapter 6, verse 63. John chapter 6, verse 63. This is Jesus talking. So the word div divides asunder between soul and spirit because the spirit realm is where the power is. It's where healing is. It's where soundness of mind is. It's where joy is. It's where peace is. It's where patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control is. It's in the realm of the spirit, not in the soul. Hallelujah. Jesus said in John 6, 63, it is the Spirit that quickeneth, that means makes alive or gives life. It is the Spirit that gives life, not your soul. Your soul doesn't give you any life. It's important, but that's not where life comes from. Okay? It's just equipment you have. It's the Spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit, 
and they are life. But there are some of you that believe not. And we'll, we'll stand just verse 63. So the words I speak to you are spirit and are life, Jesus said. This, see, this book is spirit and life. Don't look at this book legalistically. I know some do and some use it that way, and, and, but and they're missing out on all the life. We don't look at the Bible as a legalistic document. We, 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 we tap into the spirit of it. It's the spirit of the Word of God that brings life. The spirit of the Word that brings life. Not the letter of the law. The letter, legalistic mindsets put people in bondage. And kill people. We don't want to do that. Right? It's, just, it's the spirit of the word of God. Now, in the message translation, that same verse, verse 63, it says the spirit can make life. Sheer muscle and willpower don't make anything happen. That might be a blow to our ego, right? What do you mean I can't make anything happen? I put in all this time. I've done all these things. And who are you to say that? Well, let's read the word. Sheer muscle and willpower don't make anything happen. We're talking about the realm of the Spirit. The realm of the Spirit. We're talking about your divine purpose, your divine identity, understanding the time you're living in, your divine time. Muscle ain't going to get you there. Relying on your natural strength and and putting in the hours is not going to get you there. This is the realm of the Spirit. You're a spiritual being. You're a spirit, and you need spiritual food. You need spiritual direction. You need spiritual nourishment. You need spiritual relationships. And and I know that word spiritual can have a bad connotation. There's dark areas of spiritual things. You You don't need spiritual darkness. You need... Christ relationships, relationships that build you up in who you are in Christ. Those are the kind of relationships you need in your life. You don't need someone who thinks of themselves as spiritual and is going to guide you through a Ouija board or, or tarot cards. That's the wrong spirit. That will lead you on a whole different path to confusion and, and um, unclear vision. No, that's what I'm talking about. We're talking about spiritual things. This is the light and life of Jesus Christ. You need friends who are passionate about knowing Him. Friends who are meditating in the Word of God. Friends who are renewing their mind with what God has said and allowing His Word to divide asunder soul and spirit. Let's keep reading that message translation of verse 63. Sheer muscle and willpower don't make anything happen. Every word I've spoken to you is a spirit word. Jesus talking, right? Every word I've spoken to you is a spirit word. And so it is life-making. See, you'll begin to recognize spirit words and flesh words. Flesh words, sorry. I, I might not say anything to the person, but it just, I, don't, I, I drag it right to the trash. It doesn't even come into my life. I'll just stand there and smile as they're talking. i say, okay, I'll see you later. And I'm not going to accept that. That's a flesh word. Jesus give us, gives us spirit words, and they are life-making words. You need to fill your life with life-making words. 
I came that you might have life and might have it more abundantly. I don't know how many translations I've read that in. It's a lot. And I, I used to do it on paper. Now I put them in notes. I have a, a, a folder for my notes on my iPhone. That's, it's, uh, there I have a meditation folder. Let me get in here my little handy-dandy phone here. I've got a meditation folder. I've got uh, a reference folder that I've created. I've got a scriptures folder that I created. And, and, and I'll come across like a scripture like John 10.10. I might look at it in 10 different translations and copy and paste it into my note on my phone then just meditate on it. Yeah. I come that you might have more and better life than you've ever dreamed of. Yeah. <sighs> it will change you. More and better life than you ever dreamed of. Because Satan wants to stifle you and say, you can't ask God for that. You know, you, you've got enough already. No. Jesus said, I've come you might have more and better life than you ever dreamed of. He gives you life-making words. Yes. He gives you words that create dreams that are beyond what you could ever do in your own strength. They're dream-making words. They're life-making words. They're health-producing words. They're peace-producing words. They're, they're revenue-producing words. They're words that bring increase into your life. Hallelujah. I'm glad I came today. Woo-wee, this is good. Yeah, so God's Word is, is spirit and it's life. It makes life. It produces life in us. Proverbs 4.22, uh, I think, says that, it, that it's life to our whole body. The Hebrew says it's the cure for our whole body. It's the medicine for our whole body. It's the remedy for our whole body. That's Proverbs 4, 20 through 23. Another passage of Scripture that I've meditated on quite a bit. I say, it's the medicine. It's the remedy for my whole body. Glory to God. Then I've got the cure for whatever it is that's coming against me. It's the Word of God. And I'll meditate in Proverbs 4, 20 through 23. And I'll just soak that up like I'm in a hot tub and don't want to get out. Hallelujah. It's the medicine, the cure and remedy for my whole person. Hallelujah. This is so good. Now, God's Word, and hear me, is the only way that we can accurately see and understand spiritual things. There's no other way. Sorry, there just isn't. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He wasn't taking a poll. Okay? He's, he's so good. Isn't he good? He just tells you the truth. Right? God's Word is the only way that we can accurately see and understand spiritual things. It's the only way that we can see and understand our divine identity, our divine purpose, our divine time. It's only by meditating in the Word of God. You can't afford to not meditate in the Word of God. Romans chapter 8. Let's start going through this. This is just so rich. Romans chapter 8. Hallelujah. Verse 6. Now, as you're reading the Word of God, if you see something that identifies you, don't shy away from it. Just say, thank you, Lord. Help me. Right? Help me. Because if you don't know where you are, you can't get where you want to go. 
right? The first step of looking at a map is where am I, right? I mean, a map of Rhode Island doesn't help me much if I'm in Asia, right? I need to know I'm in Asia first so I can, so I can make my way west or east, depending on which way you want to go, right? So I can get to Rhode Island. I need to know where I am so the Word of God identifies us so that we can get where He's called us to be. Romans chapter 8, verse 6. Now listen closely. There's, again, a separation between spiritual and natural, or spiritual and fleshly, spiritual and carnal. For to be carnally minded is death. Ouch. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Yay. (laughs) Takes away the ouch, doesn't it? Because the carnal mind is enmity or hostile to God. Wow. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh, or have their minds set on the flesh, the natural things, cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh. This is written to believers. Are you a believer? Have you put your faith in Christ? And this is you. You're not in the flesh. In other words, another translation says, you're not controlled by the flesh. Okay? So what we put our mind on is what controls us. Okay? If you're occupied with your soul and your body, that's what will control you. If you become occupied with what God has said, with His life-making words, then your spirit will control you. The, uh, excuse me, where did we stop at? Verse um, Eight. So then those who are controlled by the flesh have their minds on the flesh. Are you following me? doesn't mean in a physical body. That's not what it's talking about there. You can look at multiple translations. Cannot please God. But you are not controlled by the flesh because you've been born again. Right. right? But you're controlled by the Spirit. In other words, your spirit now has the authority. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Does the Spirit of God dwell in you? Yes, He does. He sure does. In all of His glory. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. How do you know if you have the Spirit of Christ? You've put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You've declared Jesus the Lord of your life with your mouth out loud. And you believe that He rose from the dead for you. If you've done that with a sincere heart, then you're born again. And the moment you did that, the Spirit of God came to live in you. Is united with your spirit. Verse 10. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit, look at verse 11. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Who raised Jesus from the dead? God the Father, right? How did He do it? By His Spirit, the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit of God the Father, who raised Jesus from the dead, dwells in you, and He does, right? He, God the Father, who raised Christ from the dead, will also give life to your mortal bodies. Not talking about heaven. You're not going to have a mortal body in heaven. Talking about right now. Right now. You need life right now. Because you've got a mortal body that needs resurrection life, that needs supernatural strength and power. You're not going to need that when you get to heaven. You're going to have a glorified body. The, the, the raised Christ from the dead will also give life 
to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. This is your reality today. So I will go through the day and say this. Thank you, Father, your Spirit is giving resurrection life to my body. Thank you for resurrection life flowing from my spirit into every part of my body. Hallelujah. And I'll imagine it. I'll just use, use your imagination. That's what meditation is about. God gave it to you. See an image of yourself just radiating with strength, radiating with life, walking and dancing and running and doing all the things you want to do. See it inside and nothing will be able to stop it. See yourself singing and dancing and shouting and, 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 and fulfilling your destiny. Imagine in the word day and night, God told Joshua. Imagine in the word day and night. See it with the eyes of your heart. Now, are you ready for something? We'll get started on this. We'll see how far we can get. Carnally minded. Let's talk about this. Remember, God's word is the only way that we can accurately see and understand spiritual things. There's no other way. So if you don't want to read the Bible, you're kind of just shutting the door to what God wants to do in your life. You're just, and I, I get it, and you might not be uh, able to read very well. And one of, one of my uh, heroes is a guy named Peter Daniels. I don't know if he's still on the earth, but he was, uh, they considered him brain damaged as a kid. And he said, he's, they kicked him out of school. They told his mom, he, this kid can't learn anything. And his mom took him home and he ended up uh, just, you know, learning a trade. Um, and he worked in masonry, but he could never read. He was an adult and could never read. And, and, uh, and he heard Billy Graham. He lived, I believe, in Australia. And Billy Graham came to his hometown and preached a crusade. And this, this boy, they said, could never learn. This young man now, this man, they said could never do anything that was brain damaged. He heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he heard Billy Graham say that anyone who puts their faith in Christ becomes the son of a king, of the king of kings. And he believed that and he put his faith in Christ. And then he said, well, if I'm the son of a king, then I can read. This is a spiritual reality. Naturally, he couldn't, but he crossed over from what was possible naturally into what's possible spiritually, and all things are possible to him who believes in the realm of the Spirit. So what he did, he grabbed a dictionary, and he'd walk around town, and he'd, he'd ask people, say, what's that mean? What's that say? And they'd tell him, and, he, and he, he'd learn to read that way, and this man would read hundreds of books a year. It was an astounding amount, like 400-some books a year, big books, like not little Dinky things, real size, full size books. Yeah, and he, he would read in blocks, like he'd open them vroom, 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 and just go through books like that. And he became a billionaire. And on his, uh, on his rolls, on one of his many vehicles, but he has Son of a King on there. But it all came by just believing the life making words of Christ. Spiritually minded, it changes everything. So you might not like to read, you may not read well, well, forget about that, just do it. Just say, okay, God, you've given me your word, so I'm going to read it. And I'll just start and start. It's John 10, 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy and let the Holy Spirit illuminate your understanding. You're reading life-making words now. I came that they might have 
life and life abundantly. The Holy Spirit, the life-making words are working in you. And you're reading by faith, right? You're believing that it's working in you. Not based on how well you did on the test in school. Not based on your reading scores. Not based on your IQ. Based on who God made you to be. He's made you. He's given you His Word and He wants you to read it. So what does carnally minded mean? Now, you can miss miss what the word is saying here if you think carnally minded just means uh, sinful minded or thinking about sin that's not it that's a part that could be it if you're thinking about things that are contrary to God well that would be carnally minded but carnally minded if you study it out it means a mind that is set on the natural physical realm on, on my five senses what I can taste touch hear smell and see that's a carnal mind, all right? It's a mind that is set on a natural reasoning and the five senses, okay? It's a mind that has to have natural evidence in order to believe. It's got to be proven in a laboratory before I believe it. That's a carnal mind. I've got to see the studies on it, carnal mind. The spiritual mind is set on who Christ is, what he's done for us, and who we are in him on the word of God. All the spiritual mind doesn't need any tests, any laboratory. All the spiritual mind needs to know is God said it, and it's settled, spiritually minded. There are a lot of carnal-minded Christians that need five-sense evidence before they'll believe it. They need studies to be done. They need uh, a popular poll to be won before they believe it. They listen to the words of men instead of the words of Christ. The words, if you would put the words of men and the words of Christ on a scale in their life, you might find that the words of men outweigh the words of Christ. That's carnal-minded. That's carnal-minded. A great example of a carnal-minded person would be Thomas in the Scriptures. We'll look at him and then we'll close for today. All right? Thomas in the scriptures. He got the, the famous nickname of Doubting Thomas. He's been known for that throughout the ages. What a claim to fame, huh? And that's all we know of him. That's all we've heard of him. Didn't write any scriptures that we know of. John 20, verses. 24, we'll start there. John 20, talking about carnal mindedness. I, if I can't see it, taste it, touch it, hear it, smell it, if I don't got a, a study done on it, if it's not proven in a laboratory, I'm not going to believe it. Carnal minded. John 20, verse 24. Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus comes. So if you read earlier, you see that Jesus appears to his disciples in a room. The twelve are there, and he breathes on them, and they're born again and receive the Holy Spirit. Thomas wasn't there. Uh, but he's heard testimony from many people, from the disciples, from uh, the women who were there, uh, who saw the empty tomb and saw Jesus, that he's risen from the dead. He's appeared to, the, to many of them. The other disciples therefore said unto Thomas, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, carnal minded, Except I shall see, right, natural eyes, in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, touch, 
then thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. What I believe depends on my five senses is what he's just saying. I'm carnally minded. You can't live that way in the kingdom. You can't move forward in your destiny that way in the kingdom. You've got, you, you may feel me, this might be identifying you now, and that's okay. Don't be down on yourself. Shift. Okay, I, I, I've been living carnally minded, but I'm going to shift now, and I'm going to start letting God's word be the reason I do what I do and be what I need to make the decisions I make. Okay? And uh, after eight days, in verse 26, again, his disciples were, with, uh, were within, so they're in, in a house there, and Thomas said, um, and Thomas with them, then came Jesus. The doors were shut. Jesus just passed right through. He's in his glorified body now. And stood in the midst and said, peace be unto you. That's the same glorified body you're going to get, right? It will not be uh, subservient to the physical realm. Hallelujah. So Jesus standing right in their midst and says, peace be unto you. And he says to Thomas, now he wasn't physically there when Thomas said that. But he's saying to Thomas now, reach, touch, reach with your finger, behold my hands. Reach hither your hand and thrust it into my side. And be not faithless, but believing. So our carnal mind is a faithless mind. Because many times what is seen or detected by the five senses is contrary to what God has said. And if you're going to look to the natural things before you believe, it's not going to happen. God's abundant life. The life God has for you. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because you have seen me, your five senses, you have believed. But that's not how this worked. works. Blessed are they that have not seen. Blessed are they who are spiritually minded, who believe just because God said it and believe. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. Look at verse 31. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you might have life through his name. Hallelujah. So we will continue here next week. But let's pray. Father, we thank you for new life in you. We thank you for taking us out of uh, reliance upon natural things into a reliance upon your word. Thank you for that shift happening even now in, in, in people's lives that are hearing this message. A shift is taking place from being naturally minded to spiritually minded. A shift is happening right now. I know it. Where people are saying, okay, help me. Help me, Holy Spirit, to no longer be carnally minded, naturally minded, but to begin uh, being spiritually minded in my daily life. To make what you said all the proof I need to act. We thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. God is so good. We want to invite you to continue to grow in the knowledge of His goodness, who He is, what He's done for you, and who you are in Him. 
Check out our websites at josephbosco.us and highwaychurch.us and begin living the abundant life He came to give you.